Yeah, so uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 13, 5 through 10 um, says this. This is uh, a scripture that I think is really helpful for us when we're um, doing some assessment. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? And I trust that you will discover that we have not failed the test. And so Paul is trying to... Um, to speak into us, right, that um, it's really important that we define reality, right? How many of you are, you th- are good at defining uh, reality or at least take some time doing that in your own lives? Like meaning like, okay, how am I really doing? Like looking at fruit, looking at like how things are going at work and my relationships, like just really kind of saying, hey, what's really going on? How am I really doing? Anybody in here feel like they kind of do, like get a C plus at that or ever do that? Okay. All right. Right. So it's like, man, I've done it before. <laughs> so um, as, we, uh, as we journey with Christ, one of the most important things, if that's not something you normally do, we don't need to do it um, like every second of every day, but we need to regularly, there's an ancient practice called examine where uh, that some folks practice at the end of every day. They sit there and they go through their day and they think about, uh, was today a good day? Did I, did I spend my time wisely? Did I uh, honor the Lord? Did I, uh, so on and so forth, right? Where it, it's introspection. Um, if we don't do that, right, we, we're going to define reality really poorly and we're not going to be able to uh, move forward in our relationship with Christ. Like there's always things that the Lord is doing in our lives. And if we don't think about what those things are we're doing, if we don't look back on where we were and where we are or what I used to be good at and realize, oh crap, I'm not good at that anymore, right? As it relates to engaging um, in my faith and with the Lord. So, um, so that is uh, something that I want to encourage you with that a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is really... Um, I want to help you define reality, but wherever, whatever that reality looks like, right? God wants you to bring, uh, bring you further into relationship with himself, wherever you are, whether it's been an awesome year, right? Or it's not been the best. Or in prior years, you've done awesome, and this year, it's not going great. Hey, guess what? Tomorrow is a new day, right? Each day with the Lord is supposed to be better than the next. And so... Um, as you spent time kind of asking yourself these questions, this is just practice for you, right, to ask good questions. And so we shouldn't be afraid of these answers, right? There's not like you don't get extra credit for like, well, let me write what the right answer is, but it's not actually true. <laughs> okay, we need it. We need to write down here's what's true. And so here, if, as, I, as I define what's true, then God actually can do something with me, right? It's the it, it would go back to the practice of kind of um, digging up our fallow ground, right? If you've ever heard that, um, that expression in the, New, in the Old Testament. So um, in a short time, uh, as we um, just kind of spend a short time together, I want us to, uh, to ask the question. We're going to spend just a, a few minutes in Genesis chapter 1 through 3. And before we think about uh, here's my reality, I want us to... Uh, look at a, a, a few quick verses, and then I'm going to give you just some other verses to write down. You can look at them at your leisure. But I want us to, um, to be reminded of what we were meant for. So we're going to go back to the original creation story. 
And we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna ask you some questions, and uh, if you're as, as tired as Billy, you may or may not respond, right? He, um, his, when he get like, when Billy gets tired, like I love, I mean, he is like so tired, because you know how much energy Billy has, but when he powers down, like he just, it's like he, he can't reset. So, um, so let's turn uh, to Genesis 1. And so I'm going to point out a couple uh, of verses to you, and, and, I'll, um, and I'm going to ask you to somewhat extrapolate. We're going to try to build a picture right, of, of what God's purpose in creating us was. Right and like what his plan was, he gives lots of uh, he gives he, he gives lots of clues here, but they're uh, but they're not super easy. If we need um, if we need kind of a summary verse, Ephesians um, chapter four and five says this: Just as he chose us in him, right, chose to create him, be in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Right, this is a summary verse. This is why he created us. To be holy and blameless before Him. Verse 5, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself according to the kind intention of His will. Both of these verses tell His intention, right? And, his, uh, and how He was going to fix it if it went wrong. Right? So, but but it, it talks about this idea of like, He chose us to be in Him. That is His plan and His purpose. And so, we don't need to overcomplicate things. That's all He's ever wanted. And so, if we can get a good grasp of how he wanted to be with us, then we, it is crystal clear the relationship that he wants us to be in with him now. Yes? Is that, is that fair? Okay. All right, so, um, so write these verses down and you can spend some more time with them later. So the first one is um, we're looking at uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 26, uh, 27, and 28. Somebody want to read that in a loud, clear voice for us? Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28. God said, let, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Awesome. All right. Does God create the earth because he is bored? Fair question? No. All right. He creates this world uh, because he wants to make something good, right? Over and over again, he declares it as he makes the world. Right? He, he wants to create something that is after his own heart, right? That, is, that it is uh, of his character and of his nature. When we get to the pinnacle of creation, right, which is people, he has this description, right, that he, um, that he lets us know. Beginning from nothing to creating, at the end of it, right, he tells you that, that he loves the world because he created things, right, to rule over it in his stead. Here's what I made, and it's beautiful. I'm going to make things that I can be in a relationship with that I'm going to teach how to rule well. Right? And so, what does this tell us about God's character, about His nature, and about what He thinks of us? What does He think of, of us? Very highly of us. He does? We're fit to rule. We are fit to rule. That is his design, 
right? Are we going to be fit to rule from day one? No. In the garden, there's no sin, but like as he creates us, do we know how to rule? No, he just says, here's, here's what you're going to do, but we don't insinuate that he has to form us in the garden, right? That there's a point of him, of him putting us someplace and him being there with us. That outside of sin, like, he's got, he's, he wants to be in relationship with us. So, so him being in relationship with us now, right, is, is not contrary to what he wanted. It's not like, oh my gosh, these guys are idiots. I got to go down there and help them out. Like, that was his desire <laughs> from the beginning. Does that make sense? Okay, this is really important. Because a lot of times we can, uh, we can think about, hey guys. Because a lot of times we can, we can uh, think about that as someone gives us directions, it's because, um, uh, just it's because they're trying to keep us busy or, or some other reason besides that that is what his initial desire was. So that's really, that's really, really important. All right? So keep that in mind. That he wanted to be with us and form us from the beginning. Now, let's go down to um, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 8. And can somebody read um, actually just verse 8? And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Okay, so I'm going to draw a picture. It's going to be terrible, but it's going to be helpful to make sure, like, why do you read that and why does that matter? All right, so for those of you who have been around me for a while, you're like, okay, this is review. <laughs> I've got so many markers. Okay. So typically we think of um, Eden, right, as what? Like what is our default kind of picture of uh, the Garden of Eden? Uh, kind of like a jungle thing. Maybe. Yeah, but it's, not, but it's nice, yeah. right? A jungle thing, but it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot of times we think about, without, without even thinking about it, it's kind of like heaven. It's like, oh yeah, I've heard heaven talked about, and then we don't really kind of deeply think about maybe how the Bible talks about it. But here, uh, Eden is the same way. Most of you think like the whole earth is paradise. Yes? Like that's kind of without thinking about it or reading the scripture, we're just like, yeah, the whole earth is paradise. Verse 8 says that actually is not the case in any way. So let's, let's uh, read real closely. And the Lord God planted a garden. Okay? So, so he just made the whole earth, right? Okay? And he said it was really good, right? Do you think the earth is awesome? Yeah, I mean, we're in the mountains. It's beautiful, okay? I mean, it is breathtaking. Some of you have traveled around just to see prettier places. <laughs> like, I've seen some pretty stuff, but have you seen that? Let's spend $1,500 to travel there to see the prettier thing, right? And it's because it's something God created. I can't, right? I can't imagine that he could do anything else. But here, what we, say, what we hear is, is that Gar, so he's, he's, he's made the earth, right? But he says here that he, uh, after I've done that, now I'm going to go and do some planting. Now, as he's made, if God is going to kind of pick out some special stuff, like he's kind of going to, uh, any of you, um, like at college or first apartment or house, like when you kind of do up the house, or you kind of decorate your room, right? It's pretty special. Right, I'm going to be extravagant with myself to make it exactly like I want. Well, God right, says, I'm going to go plant a garden for man. Can you imagine what that garden looks like? Like, 
You any of you been to like some places that you just can't believe how pretty it is on the world in the world? Yes. Okay. And there's places that you haven't even seen that are like 10 times prettier than that. Right. So well, I want you to keep that in mind while you're saying God is going to sneak away. Right. And plant a garden for man. Do you think that this place is awesome? I'm going to take all my favorite things that I've created. Right? Like if you, uh, even if you have like a little kitten or a puppy, like what do you do? Like you just kind of throw it out in the yard like with the trash? No, what do you do? Like you spend all the un- ridiculous amount of money to like get them in the dog bed and get like sweaters on them and, you know, with the little puppy, take pictures, like put stuff in their hand. I'm trying to paint this picture the how much God cares about us and then how much care he probably took in making this garden for us. Right? He makes this thing before he puts man in it. But it doesn't look like the rest of the world. It's special. And so let's say, he says Eden is a place, right? So let's say that there's an area not called Eden, and then there's an area called Eden. All right? So I want you to distinguish Eden from, like, not Eden, right? So, like, South Carolina, North Carolina, right? South Carolina is different from, okay. All right, so Eden. He said he's planted a, a garden towards the east in Eden. So, so Eden, right, it's not Eden. The garden is in Eden. Are we, we get like getting more, everybody follow, disagree, okay? So let's say there's some place and then there's Eden, which is not, you know, someplace else. And he plants a garden there, Okay. So I'm trying to be real specific to you because the, uh, it matters that the whole earth doesn't look like this. Okay? Everybody follow me so far? You're like, huh, I'm, maybe I'm getting what you're throwing down. And he placed man in this place, this special place. Okay? So now I want you to think about, so if man is there in this special place that's separate from all other places... And God is there with them. We see this in the next verse. I just want to remind you, this is a post uh, man and woman eating the fruit. Write this down, Genesis 3, 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Okay? It's not like, oh gosh, God's here, right? This is normal occurrence. Why would I create man? I'm supposed, I want to be with them. I put them in this garden and I'm going to go visit them. I'm going to be with them. Okay? This is normal occurrence. All right, one more verse. Uh, 2.15, across the page. So we've talked about uh, like the Eden and he, and he kind of sums it up here. For 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. All right, so this place, this beautiful place that he puts them in, that he makes just for them to, to live with them, to commune with them, right? He puts them there for the express purpose, right, to cultivate and keep it. What's the insinuation if they don't know how to cultivate and keep it? What will happen to the garden? Yeah. So God set it up the way it's supposed to be. Be, right? Beautiful. Can't imagine what it looks like. Perfect place for man. And he says, I'm going to set you here and I'm going to teach you how to keep it like this. 
right? To cultivate it, to like make it more fruitful and to keep it so that it never is not fruitful. Yes? Okay. Is that in Genesis 2 or Genesis 3? Remember what happens in Genesis 3? Well, we eat the fruit, we get kicked out. This is Genesis 2, right? So his desire, right now, you, you tracking with me? Is that there's work involved before the fall. <laughs> that if they didn't do what they're supposed to do, it wouldn't have happened like it was supposed to happen, right? Cultivate and keep. Make more fruitful. Maintain it. Man was supposed to work, be in communion with God, pre-fall. We have a lot of pictures about what it might have looked like, but I want you to understand that what God is trying to do in you is to get you back to the place that He created you to be. And we need to understand the place He created us to be. The care that He created us with, the places that He put us, what His plan was before, and it has never changed. What has changed is that man's run away. You've run away. I've run away. He has not changed. His plan has not changed. His engagement with us has not changed. Last question. Was man supposed to stay in the garden? This is the best question. Was his desire for you to stay where he planted you? What does 126 and 27 and 28 say? Again, pre-fall, this is his plan. It's not to hang out in heaven. That's the wrong answer. What is it? Just read it. What, what, what do you think his plan was? Huh? Fill the earth and subdue it. You are to leave Eden. Pre-fall. That was always his plan. It's for him to form you and for then you to go and form others. That was not a change in plan. That was the plan. That's a big deal, guys. So the idea, if you've ever heard me say this phrase, right, what he wants you to do, right, is learn to, to keep the garden, right, and then go make garden. So, like, this is what I want from you. Like, I put you in this environment. This is what the world is supposed to look like. This is how life is supposed to be. And I'm going to teach you to do this. Do you think that they knew how to cultivate and keep the garden when you put them there? This is the answer, no. <laughs> he was going to teach them. They didn't magically know. That's why he's with them, to teach them. Right? To be in relationship with them. Were they... Here, here's the coolest part. What if they were to make... If he, he gave them a little, bit of, a little bit of Eden, what if they were supposed to then go make more? Make the rest of the world look like this place does. Right now, then we've got a really simple picture of the church and how it is to be formed. That I need the church to be a little pocket of Eden. I need you to, to fight with each other to figure out what that looks like. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to teach you. But as you actually grab hold to it, then I know how to cultivate and keep, and now I can go out. Right? And I can teach others and show others. His master gardeners out in the world making more garden thoughts or questions about that this picture 
might be the most important picture you've ever had in your entire life because if we don't understand what God wants for us, how much He desperately, how much He's done for us, right? We don't understand, we don't have a clear picture, right, of His goodness, not just towards us, but towards others. So questions and thoughts about any of that uh, couple of verses. Let me look back at 2.8. You got all that from the Eden East place? Huh. Really, tell me, tell me what you think about that. How might that be helpful? What's confusing about that, if, if at all? Does that make sense? I like people to, to, talk, to talk to me. Just so we'll know. It's over there. I don't know. It was like east or west. Yeah, let's go east. Yeah, so over and over throughout the, the Old Testament, God does this to the Israelites, right? When they go into the promised land, it'd be like if we lived in Lugoff. He, actually, he moved us, and he just like set us in Lugoff. I need you to hang out here for a minute, right? And then I'm going to judge the people in Columbia. I'm a, let's say Forest Acres specifically, okay? And we're going to, and he, he's going to judge them. And basically, I, I need you to run them out. Right? They're, they're going to be gone at some point, and I'm going to move you in with houses, cars, jobs, stuff that you didn't earn. That's me being generous and good. I mean, he goes even further than that, doesn't he? I mean, he says you're going to have peace, prosperity. He says all of the women will be fertile. There will be no miscarriages. I mean, he goes into pretty much a supernatural, almost Eden-like place. Oh, yeah. If they were to obey him, which of course would not. Right. He, they did sometimes. We might get into that. They did sometimes, but, but a lot they didn't. <laughs> but, the, but again, the idea here is, is over and over we see God's goodness, right? Did they deserve the beauty and the place? Did they deserve to be created? Like he talks to Israel about this. Like, lest you understand that you deserve this like you didn't. Like you're a tiny nation. You're not obedient. <laughs> I mean, there's, no, like, there's nothing in you that helps you, like that you earned Canaan, right? The prosperity, the blessing. Done nothing except that I've chosen you and I love you. That has never changed. So that applies to Adam and Eve. They didn't do anything to be created. They didn't do anything to say, I give you, uh, I give you dominion. Do anything to say, be fruitful and multiply. Just you're mine and that's what I want to teach you how to do. Good questions. Any other questions? All right, so as we're looking at that, um, here's, I'm just going to give you a quick list of uh, verses. Um, I'll, I'll just shout them out to you. I'll write them down, so if you, um, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up for, um, for tonight. So as we have that picture, I just want to give you just kind of a couple snippets, just a little baby survey. This is not in any way exhaustive so that you can see that this idea comes up over and over and over again, okay? So sometimes we just overcomplicate what God wants for us. He's never wanted anything. He doesn't want anything more than what he explains here in the garden. That's it. Like, there's no 201. <laughs> this is 101 stuff. Don't need to get to 201. So we see the first one was the Genesis 3.8. Right, the walk with him in the cool of the day, like that is his normal procedure with man, that he wants to be with you, that that is normal. 
Okay? We, right, our habit typically is going as we learn to be with him, is he's other than. I don't know him. Like, we don't know how to engage with him when we should, for how long, what I'm supposed to do. That's normal, too, to get used to it. But know that he wants intimate, dependent relationship with you. Right? Like mom and her girl, dad and his boy, we are walking and we are talking and we are with each other and it's great. Genesis 3.8. The second verse is uh, Genesis 4.8. So this is where, so we have the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, they both sacrifice, right? And in and, um, and, uh, chapter 4, Sorry, that's totally wrong. It's seven. So um, there's sacrifice. Uh, Abel's is accepted. Cain's rejected. I can go into this offline. Uh, it's it's a really it's a really cool um, how we under, how we can understand that why one's accepted and one isn't. But what what the takeaway is here is so so Cain is mad, like murderously mad. Okay. And what does God do? Because how do we think when we are sin, sinner, when we're angry, when we are like, like doing the wrong thing, what, do we, what is our picture of God? Justice. Right? The, huh? Justice. Yeah, justice. Or like, hey, Rob's like out, out of sorts. Like he's as far away from me as he possibly can, right? Because he's upset with me. I've done something wrong. Right? Cain is murderously angry. And God, it's just the thing that comes to him and is trying to like talk him down. Right? That God is not absent from us ever. Right? And so we see in the midst of kind of the, the second heinous sin that God is there in the moment. He's not like yelling at, he's like, remember, they've been kicked out of the garden, but God hasn't gone anywhere. Like, does, does that make sense? Like, they've sinned greatly, they've been removed from Eden. But we're like, well, maybe God's back in Eden. No. <laughs> He's right there. What does he say? Verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Verse 7. If you do well, will your not countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching out, out at its door. His desire is for you and you must master it. Even outside of Eden, even outside of like we think it's all gone wrong. Like, do we miss this? That God is here like discipling Cain? Like, have you ever noticed that before? Like, that's a big deal, guys. Like, do you understand how you feel when you sin? Like, God couldn't be further from you, that He's angry with you, that He doesn't want anything to do with you, and here He is with Cain, right? Discipling him. What are you doing, buddy? Like, is this a... Does he not know Cain? <laughs> One of the biggest lies the devil has for us is that he tells us that God only wants us in certain cases and he's only there for us in certain ways. Guys, he is there for you on your best day and he is there for you at your worst day. He is there for you in the middle of sinning. That he's speaking into that. So you see, Cain hasn't yet killed his brother, has he? <laughs> he's trying to get him to stop, but his anger is burning. And he's saying, buddy, guys, hey, like he, he's not yelling. I'm like, this is a this is a pretty insightful, insightful questions. He's trying to define reality for Cain, and Cain won't have it. 
But what I want you to understand is regardless of what Cain does, I want you to understand what God was doing here and what he will do for you, right, even in the midst of your sin. Do you see that? Genesis 32, 22 through 31, there's a story of Jacob wrestling with God. He's Jacob before this. It's a weird story. I cannot unpack this at all. All we know is that it says that Jacob wrestled with God. All I want you to take away from this idea is God's closeness <laughs> in the midst of this. Right, that I think that this, in a New Testament sense, right, just like as we define that God was going to right, form right, Adam and Eve, like that was his plan even before sin, that he's trying to form Cain, that he's trying, like there's intimacy in forming. Like this is physical forming, like fighting, I can't imagine what that would be like or what it was or if it's a metaphor or an actual thing. I mean, but God's into it, and he is not letting Jacob go, right? That God is not letting you go without a fight. Do you think you can break his grip? We think we can. We don't even think he's there half the time. And after he fought with him, and he didn't let him go, he gave him a new name. Do you want to be the somebody that wrestles with God? You do. I'm telling you, you do. He needs to wrestle with you. <laughs> he needs to show you who's boss, right? A couple more. Exodus 33:11. Somebody, uh, somebody find that one real quick and read it. Exodus 33:11. This might not one that you picked out before. So as he's making a new people for himself, right, that he is fashioning, right, like each time it's, he comes back to the garden, like he is trying to, again, kickstart like what he wanted to kickstart in the garden, right? He makes a new people. <clears throat> he gives them a law. He gives them good things. And we say that the leader, right, the one that he is forming, is what does he say? He talks to him face to face, like one man to another. That this is the man that he wanted to form the rest of the men. That he's not absent, he's not some esoteric, far-off person. Right, that Moses says, as I'm trying to form a new people, I need to form you so that you can form, help me form these people. Face-to-face, -face, intimacy. Matthew 5, 48, we're going to jump into the New Testament a couple. Matthew 5, 48. So this is at the end of... Uh, the kind of the first section of the Beatitudes, so we got, or the first section of the Sermon on the Mount, so we got the Beatitudes, we got the salt and light, um, we got righteousness needs to um, exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, sit on, on a hill cannot be hidden, and then he goes through the antitheses, right? You've heard it said, but I said to you, he's establishing his authority, 
right and true, helping them remember like this is the real point. At the end of this section, what does he say? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Right, he's reestablishing this connection that we've seen from the beginning that right, he wants us to be like him. That it's not like pie in the sky. <laughs> so, so disregard the perfect. Right? It means to be complete. It means to be whole again. Be whole like I am. I want you to be like me. That is what you need to hear. That's the idea that's being expressed. Be like me. A couple more. I'll go through these last ones pretty quick. Luke 6.40. Jesus uh, teaching, When a man is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. All right, same idea. Right, intimacy begets, right, replication, image. That's Luke 6.40. We're fully trained, we'll be like our teacher. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. This is Paul's kind of thematic summary verse. We proclaim him, teaching all men, admonishing all men so that may, we may... Um, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Right, again, this intimacy that, that Paul is involved as he is formed by God, that he is helping others form so that they can be like him. 2 Peter 1.4 He has given us all these things, His Holy Spirit, His truth, right, so that we may become partakers of the divine nature. Right, over and over, it's just different words to explain the same thing. Right, give us this holistic picture of what it means to be like God. That's 2 Peter 1 4. Two more. Ephesians 4 13. It's so descriptive. Hear this long descriptive to make sure that you understand that we don't want to stop short of being like God. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, all right, just in case you don't understand what that means, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. It means all of them. I want you to look exactly like them. <laughs> all the way up, not just kind of halfway, right? Just so you mean like like Jesus, like like Him, like, like yes. <laughs> so many words there to make sure that the answer is yes. All right, then last thing, James 1, 4. Right, so that perseverance may have its work, right? So that we may be complete, right? Lacking in nothing. So just a quick survey, right? To kind of, to, to beat the horse, to make sure that we understand what God wants for us, Right? What were we meant for? We were meant for relationship. We were meant to learn to cultivate and to keep what God has given us. So, uh, so we're closing. We're going to close there. So tonight I just want to paint that picture. I wanted to give you some time just to assess, right? Just to like get the juices flowing. Uh, we're going to do some things that you haven't probably done before in some other sessions to think about some things. And we're going to get down to like your life. Like, what am I doing? How am I spending my time? What am I doing when I'm spending my time doing X, Y, Z? 
You're gonna have time to do that by yourself. You're gonna have time to debrief with that. Like you're gonna make a plan to do this better. We're gonna make a plan to help each other, right, do this better. Any questions before we, before we close? So as, as we close, right, with, uh, we're going to have a, I mean, people are going to go to bed, like Billy, right? Uh, you're going to do whatever you want, but, but we're here to, like, talk about this stuff, right? Like, keep the conversations going. What did you think about that? Wow, I don't, he's crazy, man. I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. Let's look at the scriptures again and see and make sure. We're like, that's why we're here, Right? Like, as we talk about it, like, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, it's going to make more sense to us. We're going to get excited about what God has for us, except, and get way more excited about what God has for us than what the world offers. And so that is what community is for, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. But we got to talk about it. You got to be honest where I am. I heard lots of honesty. Keep it going. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, you love us, and I don't, I, don't, I don't get it sometimes. But Lord, your word cannot be more plain. That you love us with an everlasting love. You love us with a bear hug that won't let go. Father, there's nothing that you have kept from us that we need. There's no links that you haven't gone to to make sure that we understand that we love you. There's no story that you haven't put in your scripture to understand that no matter what is going on with my life, no matter how crazy I feel, out of sorts I feel, no matter how much I feel like things are closing in around me, no matter how good things are going, no matter, uh, no matter what heinous sin I have committed, Father, you are there. And you want all of me and you never lose hope that I can look like you. I don't get it, Father, but I accept it. I've never loved anybody like that. But I'm learning. Father, this weekend, would this weekend be a turning point in our lives that we, were, that we can be consistently honest with you? Father, that we can start being consistently honest with one another. And that each of us would have the hope for everyone else that we can be who you've called us to be in community. I can't do this by myself. I can't be who you want me to be without others encouraging me, crying with me, praying for me. I need it all. And so, Lord, thank you um, for, for beginning to paint a picture for us that that I hope is clear. Father, make it clear in our hearts. And Lord, I ask that you would bless the rest of our time together as we laugh, as we play games, as we eat too much food. Lord, as we play in the snow, as we tell McClendon to be quiet. Lord, we thank you. And we are expectant. We love you, Father. Amen. All right, breakfast.